Surgical Society podcast. I'm Frank Davis, the president of the Surgical Society and host of this podcast. Throughout the year, I'm going to be talking to world-leading surgeons, incredible doctors with interesting passions, and the brightest and best medical students to help you score higher in your exams. Please follow our social media, cu underscore surgstock, and rate and download this podcast. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today I'm joined by uh, Dr. Ellie Rowe for our SJT uh, Tips um, episode. Uh, so Ellie graduated with commendation, uh, she intercalated and uh, won SERGAM four times. Uh, so she's uh, the definition of a, of a high performer. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, so firstly, um, where are you working at the moment? You obviously graduated, what, what are you up to? Yeah, so I was in the seven deanery and I'm working in Bath at the moment. So my first rotation is geriatrics, but it's kind of the old people's assessment unit. So imagine it being like the MAU of the hospital for geries. Um, And then I go on to urology after this and then endocrine and gen med. Okay. Um, Is that what you wanted? Are you enjoying that? Yeah, so I wanted a geries job. Um, and ideally I wanted that to be my first one slash have a gen med one as my first one because I was like you then get used to everything Um, whereas I feel like if I'd gone straight into surgery first of all I feel like I would have been quite intimidated going straight into like colorectal surgery with like limited knowledge Um, but I quite like then that with general med you do see a bit of everything and you kind of keep up on all your skills rather than just kind of concentrating on one area so yeah it's good so far Nice, yeah, I've heard that at Jerry's is a good like, introductory one, that's what you found then? Yeah, it's very broad, nice. like you have people that come in with kind of all your normal presenting complaints, like would be your ISCI stations, um, they come in with like the AKIs or confusion or stuff yeah. like that, and then you have to do the full work up for them all, so it's quite good in terms of like what we actually learn in med school, putting it into practice, because they're in and out quite quickly then of the assessment unit. Okay, and, and how does Bath compare to Cate's? Yeah, it's a, the buildings are a lot prettier in <laughs> yeah. Bath compared to Cate's. Um, I do miss Cate's though, it is nice being kind of with everyone, whereas obviously now a lot of my uni friends are in different places around the country, like some stayed in Wales, um, some are down here, some went to Bristol. Um, but yeah, it, it's very different, um, but yeah, the hospital's kind of the same wherever you are, I think. Okay. And what's the, the end goal? She said you started with geriatrics. Do you have something in mind that you'd like to, to specialise in? Yeah, so I do like geries. And I think if I do hospital medicine, it will be something like that. Something quite general. Um, but I haven't written off GP either yet, again, because it's okay. quite general. Um, yeah, I'm not a surgeon, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Um, so, yeah, so obviously we're speaking today about the SJT. A lot of fifth years will be listening to this. It's quite a nerve-wracking exam. Obviously, yeah. it's weighted the same as, you know, your previous sort of five years of, of med school. How, how did you, do you remember, how were you nervous before taking it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when you actually think about the fact that this is exactly the same like waiting as every other exam, every progress test we've done, all the ISCIs, the fact that it doesn't really matter whether you're like top or bottom of the year in those, mm. 
if you then get the opposite in the SJT, you could completely like change it. So I think that's quite good if you kind of maybe are doing like average, you know that you can just get average in the SJT and you'll be at the same level. Um, but it's also quite nice, I guess, to be like, you know what, no, if I do really well in this exam, I can change things for me. Mm. Um, but I guess it does work the other way around yeah. too, but you kind of hope that that doesn't happen. Yeah, so how, how did you feel? Were you like aiming to get as high as you did? Um, I think... I think like obviously I wanted to do well but I was very much like it is kind of a random number generator in terms of everyone's so close like it gets rid of kind of the people who I guess didn't do so well maybe if you were putting things that are completely questionable it gets rid of those but realistically how many people get to final year of med school Mm. do put those things so it's kind of like everybody's very similar so I was very aware that you kind of can't call it you can do as best as you can but you've got no idea sitting in that exam whether what you've put is actually right like you go with it thinking no that is what I would do that's what I yeah. think is right um but yeah you don't you don't actually know it's one of those exams you can't come out and go and google the answer like we do after a progress test yeah true. Like, it was very much very dependent and like it is true when it's the situation like you you could have the same sort of stem and the same sort of answers, but one tiny detail be different in the STEM, and then it completely changes the ranking of kind of mm. the answers, which is, yeah, you just got to concentrate. It's quite a long exam, but yeah. And you said the um, random number generated. Is that what you feel like it is? Because there are a lot of controversial opinions on the SGT. Yeah. What's, what's yours? I mean, I feel like you can prepare. Mm. Like, I definitely did prepare in terms of like looking at the past papers that were on the UK FBO website. And kind of doing those and seeing, like it gives you, underneath it gives you what the answers are. And then it tries to explain why that is the right answer. So I think I kind of looked at that to try and understand why they had put certain things the way that they did. And then kind of use that to be like, okay, no, this is what they put for that question. Let's try and apply it to a similar thing. So I think in that like respect, it's not a random number generator. Because I think if you did no work you would probably do worse than someone who did work. Because you've you've got to look at that, those past papers, you've got a bit of a head start there. But then in terms of the fact that you get to final year, everyone knows it's such a big exam. Everyone does the same sort of prep with those papers. So how can you how can you call it anyway, yeah. And since you started, you know, practicing being a doctor, does it actually relate or is it sort of a bit of like you know what should you do rather than what actually happens in real life? Yeah, I think it's difficult because obviously that is GMC guidelines, like that is mm. what should happen. Um, but obviously in practice, sometimes things are tweaked a bit, which obviously they shouldn't be because the GMC yeah. have put there for a reason, but they are. Um, but I think it was good in terms of like, you have to answer every question for the SJT as an F1. And I think now that I am an F1, I know kind of, what I can and can't do. Like if some questions come up and my consultant asks me to do something, like I do think about that and be like, actually, if this was in the SJT, that would have been bottom of my answer. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do that or whatever. Um, so I think, yeah, you can see it, but obviously if you were just doing it off what you'd seen on placement and stuff, for example, we don't always see best practice. I think most of the time you do and you can apply it but you can't go with everything that you see on the ward. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good advice. Not always, yeah, going from what you see on placement, have a look at the GMC guidance as well. So on that, and you also mentioned the two past papers, you know, you did fantastically well finishing in the top, you know, 1% of all medical students across the country. What are the, what are the resources you use, the tips, the tricks? 
Um, so we had a really good presentation from one of the like girls that was in our original year and she kind of gave her tips and tricks but obviously it's really difficult because only the UKFPO actually know what the right answers are so you mm. can say like oh, always put this as your first answer or they tend to like this but I think there's got to be a disclaimer with kind of any resource that you use that isn't the official ones that obviously that's just someone's opinion based on kind of what they've seen when they've been practicing so her presentation was really useful um and then they've got gmc guidelines which are quite long but i mean if you've got the time to read through them all the answers technically should be in there but then obviously it's difficult because they're just bullet points of kind of how best practice should be and actually then applying it to a situation isn't that easy um, then there were a lot of things on Facebook, like Zoom lectures and stuff, which I think I did one of them. Um, but again, it's kind of like someone who said, yeah, I did well, this is what I did. But equally, that that's not a fact either. Yeah. So you have to take everything with a pinch of salt. And I think it's getting that balance of not doing every person's like Zoom lecture because they do just contradict each other slightly. Right. Most people say very similar things. And I think if you just take those points, then it was fine. Um, but I think the main thing that I did was those past papers and doing them like over and over again. And if I got them wrong, looking out, okay, why did I get that wrong? Um, and kind of the more you look at them, the more you look at those like nitty gritty details in each situation that you're like, oh, okay, so that one sentence is why I got them completely wrong. Mm. Because I was using kind of what I thought of a previous question. I was like, okay, no, they said that that was the right answer. So I'm going to apply that here. And then they'd say something like very specific, like, you are the only F1 on the ward. And then you're like, oh, okay, that changes things now because I am the only doctor on the ward. So if I don't do anything, nothing's going to be done. And it's kind of, you really need to read the questions. And I think only by doing the past papers did I realise quite how much you need to read yeah, the questions. Okay. So you would do those past papers multiple times yeah. then? Yeah. Okay. And even then, like, you'd think you'd remember the answers, like, yeah. it, you'd think it would be, like, A, B, E, C, D. Yeah. And then I try and, like, think, like, don't remember the letters. As I'm going, try and think why each one is that way. And then, because otherwise you're just, like, it's, you only have, like, two papers. So it's very difficult yeah. to not remember some of the answers, like, especially if you've got them completely wrong, which all of us did in, like, when yeah. we were practicing in the house. And you come downstairs and be like girls, I don't understand why this is the way it is. And then we try and sit there and try and brainstorm why it was. Um, and I think that was quite useful, speaking to other people as well, because there'd be some questions that I'd be like, no, don't understand why that's the way it is. Whereas others would be like, no, of course it's this way, because you can't do that. And if you don't do that, then that won't happen. Um, so, yeah, it's quite good to talk about it, but definitely just understanding why they've put the reasons. Right, yeah. okay, okay. And yes, yeah, so you utilise your housemates, your friends and that. Yeah, really I helps. think so. Okay. Um, because yeah, some people will just be like, no, that one's really obvious to me. Yeah. And you'd be like, is it? Yeah, the classic <laughs> medical students being like, you know, competitive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what about, so you went to Zoom, lectures, I'm assuming those were free, the past papers are free. Whenever there's an exam, there's always seems to be like a course which you can pay for. Did you use any of that? Would you recommend that or? I mean, I didn't use any of those. Um, and I think someone gave me the advice of like, try and stay away from them if you can, mm. because they're not the official ones. And I think if you pay for a course, you kind of think, I'm paying for it, it must be like, exactly right. Yeah. Um, so I didn't. Um, but then again, I know people who did and said that they were really useful and don't think that they would have done as well if they didn't. So I think 
it kind of all depends on how you want to do and I think if you go into the exam knowing that it's weighted as heavily as it is if it helps you to have prepared as much as possible then it's just it's probably worth doing anyway but no mine was literally pass papers pass papers pass papers okay any other like banks or questions like I know PassMed do some yeah yeah. PassMed did some and I don't think I even completed all the PassMed ones because I don't think I think they're a little bit easier than the actual questions so I think if you get too comfortable like getting a lot of the PassMed ones right (laughs) then when I did the UKFPA ones I was like oh okay Um, but I think they're useful in terms of I suppose it gives you more confidence if, if you're getting things right and you understand why they put stuff but again they're not the official ones either so it's difficult to kind of think about how much you want to use these other ones because they obviously are useful but again I think they have downsides too yeah. so it's difficult um and so do you have any sort of you mentioned there like in this the stem of the question there's like specific things like you're the only f1 on, on it were there any sort of patterns that I know it was a long time ago that you saw or in the stem that you think all oh, right that means it's definitely this way Yeah, I think if they're telling you to do something, like say, for example, they say um, you're on a surgical ward and you've been asked to do like kind of an acidic drain or whatever, and it specifically tells you you've never done this before, um, but you've seen it done, for example. And then another question could be exactly the same stem and say you've never seen it done. And like those two differences in that one sentence completely change whether you would have a go at it or not Um, but again like that's so subtle and then it would be like always remembering stuff which I think you kind of get from placement of like that see one do one teach one Mm. of if you've never done it before don't just do it always think about patient safety being first and I think that's when placement is good if you think okay would an F1 be expected to do this on the ward if they actually wouldn't then that wouldn't be the answer um, and yeah, always patience first kind of always seemed to be a good answer. But yeah, looking at those subtleties in the question, I think makes a big difference. Yeah. Okay. And any other sort of tips, tricks or, or resource that you use that we haven't covered? Um, yeah. I think one of the things that we tended to do as a house, which I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but I think a lot of people probably did, was when you have the ranking questions kind of focus on because I think they score them out of 20 but if you get the top one right like answer one and answer five right Mm. it doesn't matter if those middle three were completely wrong I think you get at least 16 out of 20 or something like that so I think when you do the ranking ones I would concentrate on okay what's definitely the right answer and what's definitely the wrong and usually they're quite obvious like it the one that was completely wrong would would often be something that's like oh my god obviously you would never do that like that is awful um and then hopefully the top one was quite obvious those middle three were often quite difficult to to get right but it doesn't matter even though it's like okay i got three in the wrong order out of five that sounds bad if you get that top and bottom ones then you only lose like a point here and there for things being slightly out of place so I think for the ranking ones, concentrate on those and you get the bulk of the marks anyway. Okay, yeah, because I've done some of the past my questions, I don't really understand how it's still scored, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but I'm sure you get like four points for it being the right order, so mm. you get like one to five in the right order. And then I think if it's one out, 
you drop to three. If it's two out, you drop to two. Right. Um, and then if you get them like completely wrong, obviously that's when you don't score. But I think even if you get them completely wrong, I'm sure on some of them you can't score zero. Right. So that's another thing. If it, it's a time-pressured exam as well. Oh, right, okay. um, Like some of the sections you'd fly through and then you'd look at the clock and be like, I've got 10, I've got 10 minutes left and I've got so many questions. So I think when you're practising, obviously not the first few times, but then try and do it in the time because I think that was something that I was a bit stressed about like if I can't finish you then lose so many marks and when it's such a tight exam anyway and everybody's probably going to be so close mm. you need to be answering all the questions and I think that was another thing that we all said to each other that if we get to the end and we don't have questions put something down because you can't score zero yeah so just answer anything and again if you look for that first one and the fifth one even if if they're barned or obvious, then you've got a good amount of marks and you've hardly looked at the question. Um, so yeah, the time pressure is another thing that kind of I needed to practice because even going into the exam, I was like, oh my God. Oh, I didn't realise it was so time pressure because obviously you probably, you're going to be like, oh, going through, oh, is it this one, is it that one? Yeah, exactly. But would your advice be get the top one, get the bottom one and realistically move on really? I think, I think you have got enough time. I think... From what I remember, you've got like just under two minutes a question. And some of them will be so obvious the way that they, like what's right, that mm-hmm. you won't spend that. And others you'll look at and be like, I really don't know whether, some of them I would be like, I'm not even sure what's the top answer. Right. Um, and they'd all be like, they'd all be stuff that you probably would do. Um, so then you can afford to spend a bit more time thinking about those. But again, yeah, I was very much like, okay, especially when I was first starting, get the top and the bottom and then think about the middle ones. And you can flag as well. I don't know if yours is still going to be in the Pearson view. I'm unsure at the moment, yeah. Ours was like where you do driving tests. Yeah. Um, so ours so. was in the Pearson view centres and it was all online and you could flag questions. Mm. So if there was one where I was thinking, no, I could get this if I spent enough time, just flag it and then come back to it later. Put something yeah. so that you get at least some Definitely. marks. Um, but yeah, just flag it and then you can come back to that. Whereas there's some that I think, even if I spent 10 minutes thinking about it and I had the GMC guidelines in front of me, I still probably wouldn't have got what they wanted. But most of them, you can get a good idea. Okay. And make sure, obviously, to practice those time-pressured situations at home before you yeah. see Okay. Which is difficult when you've only got those two past papers, because obviously you do kind of remember some of the answers. So if you're not timing yourself the first time, but you are like the third time you do it, Obviously, it is a bit artificial because you do remember some of them. So you are doing it slightly quicker than you would do anyway. But I think even doing it in time time conditions, if you then finish earlier than you expected, as long as you give yourself the benefit of the doubt, like, okay, I did know some of those answers. If you've still got plenty of time, you've then got the confidence to go in. Whereas if you don't ever time yourself and then you go into the exam and then you realise your timing's are way off, like... Ill, that just stressed me out so much. Yeah. So, it's the morning of the... Oh, sorry, it's the day before the SJT. Mm. Are you someone that is sort of feverishly going through the guidelines or are you sort of sitting on the sofa watching TV, relaxing, thinking, oh, I've done everything I can? I think I was a bit of both. I managed to get my SJT on the Monday. So I had the weekend then where I obviously wasn't in placement, didn't really have to think about anything else. So I think I did some stuff on the Saturday and then made sure I went through the past papers again then. And then I think on the Sunday, it was kind of like, I made myself a bit of a cheat sheet of like rules that I'd 
picked up as I was yeah. going through, like, okay, they like this, or this always seems to be a good mm. answer, or they really don't like that being an answer, that always seems to be last. So I looked through that briefly on the Sunday, and probably did look through the past papers, just the the reasoning for some of the questions where I was still <laughs> getting them wrong on like, the fourth time. Um, but no, I mean, you, I, I think you can just over-prepare a bit, because, again, until you're in there and you see what the situation is, sometimes it doesn't really matter how much you've looked through those guidelines. You might not always be able to apply them as the GMC wanted, or mm-hmm. sometimes the questions just aren't as clear-cut what they were asking for. So, yeah, I think don't do too much the day before. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned there that you managed to get um, a Monday... So the booking process, oh, again, I've heard some really horror stories about that. What, what's the process there? So, yeah, it was a bit horrendous, to be honest. Um, I was in the GP at the time. I was on my GP block. So I started GP at nine. And we'd been told that they were going to come out on whatever the date was. There was no time. So people were staying up till midnight, thinking like, okay, well, that is the date. If they open them at midnight, they want to get them. Um, and then they didn't come out at midnight. So then everyone's like, do you go to sleep? What time are they going to come out? Yeah. And then someone, like everyone was going through like Twitter, everyone was messaging each other on like the medic group chat. Um, and then someone else would say like, oh, they came out at six last year. So everyone set their alarms like for six o'clock to try and do it at six. Didn't come out at six. Then everyone's just like constantly refreshing. Everyone's asking each other like, is it working for you? And it wasn't. So then everyone was going into placement and I think probably some people ended up taking the days off because it was just, they wanted to get it done, it was stressful. Um, And I went into placement and I remember being sat in the GP and it had been about 45 minutes and I was just constantly like refreshing my laptop. I'd said to my GP like, it was it was telephone calls at the time with my GP for like that hour and I was like, do you mind if I I sit out? I've got a bad feeling they're going to come out. And then there was a patient that was coming in who sounded quite complicated. And my GP said, maybe you don't sit in for this one and we just discuss it after, um, just in case it comes out in that time. Because you can't obviously say to a patient, oh, can we just stop this conversation? I need to book my SJT. Um, So luckily, and she must have been a mind reader, my GP, because it came out while I was in that while I was in the GP practice, but I was in like rural Wales where the 4G wasn't very good. It was quite stressful. And I think as soon as the website opened and all the tests came out on Pearson View, everyone always like text everyone like they're out they're out so then like the website was crashing oh, and like it was almost like you put it into a shopping trolley and then you added to basket and then you checked out right. so I'd add my slot to the basket check out and you'd be like this slot is no longer available oh, so I'd go back and do it again and then I eventually was like right go for one in, in Bridgend I was like because everyone was going for the Cardiff ones all the yeah. Newport ones I was like go for Bridgend and at that point I was like I will go anywhere I really wanted mine before Christmas because yeah. we had our ISKI in the Feb, oh, because course, I was the yeah. COVID year. And um, so I was like, I don't really want to be revising for my SJT over Christmas, and then come back and do the SJT, and then have my progress test like a month after, and then my ISKI like two weeks after that. So I was like, I need to get it before Christmas. And at that point, I was like, I will drive anywhere to go and do it so that I can do it before Christmas. Like Two of my housemates had to come to Bristol to do theirs. Wow. Um, yeah, a few people like struggled, and a few people ended up getting it after Christmas. But... It was okay. I think you've just got to be like mindful that getting the ones in Cardiff probably are going to go quite quick. 
And maybe on reflection, it would have been better for me to just be like, let's just go for a bridge end one straight away. Um, but no, I was lucky. I managed to get it, but oh, it was stressful. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. And I guess that's just going to be the same every single year, isn't it? I think it? so. But a lot of people did kick off last year saying that it was very stressful and that people were taking days off placement and that it wasn't really healthy making like that many med students across the country yeah. like staying up not knowing like it's stressful anyway let alone when you then make the booking process yeah, stressful so I don't know maybe maybe they'll change it who knows but no I eventually managed to get my slot so I, I can't complain now but yeah. yeah maybe go yeah that's good advice maybe go for someone that's not Cardiff or a big city like Bridget yeah hopefully Okay. Yeah, because a few people were like they get they were gonna go home, and if there's not a med school by your home, then that's not too bad. But obviously, Cardiff and Swansea, everyone yeah. that goes to those med schools that was doing it in final year, all kind of wanted the same sort exactly, of area, yeah. so it was always gonna be a bit stressful. Um, and as we mentioned at the at the beginning, you're in Bath, you got into the Southern Deanery, and that's to my knowledge quite a competitive deanery to get into. I know like a lot of people would like to know your sort of overall score out of 100 if you don't mind sort of giving that just to give people like a rough idea of okay you know you've got into Bath which is a competitive area what sort of scores were you needing? Yeah so I think looking at the deaneries they do kind of change in how competitive they are each year like sometimes you have like I mean London's always top mm. um, but the others like you have the top like kind of five that kind of interchange so I'm not sure what it was for Bath this year. Um, but I got 94.5 wow. out of 100. Um, so I I got into seven and then I, I was quite lucky that I I wanted the job that I ended up getting. Nice. Um, so I, I was fine. But I think there's people who scored like a few points below me that still got their top, top choice job. So it kind of just depends where you want to go within your deanery and what jobs you want to do. Like some are more popular than others. Like maybe people, mine's got two Jerry's in, so maybe people looked at mine and were like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm not sure kind of what the cutoff was for seven this year. Um, okay. But I think there's quite a range of scores. Like there's people who probably scored higher than me and there's people who would have scored lower than me that still got their first job in their first choice hospital. And do you know where you were ranked within seven as well? Or, or Bath, is it? You get a histogram of everyone that got into seven. So they say, like, well, I think you get it for every deanery. But yeah. they say, okay, congratulations, you got into seven deanery. Mm. And then later in the day, they email you with, like, a histogram of the score. So they'll show, like, three people got 95 plus. Right. And then they'll show, like, eight people got between 90 and 95. Okay. So you can kind of guess, like, okay, so I'll work out now, like, further down the histogram where I am, what is the, like, highest I could rank mm. and what's the lowest I could rank within the histogram. And I guess unless there's, like, 60 people in your, like, line on the histogram, mm. you can roughly work out where you're going to rank in the deanery. Okay, that's good advice. So they give you a, a histogram. Yeah, and, and I that. think from that, that's then useful to think, okay, well, I rank quite highly in the deanery. Let's look at what jobs I actually want mm. because I then have a better chance of, of getting them. So I need to actually think about these. Or you can look and be like, okay, I'm mid middle ground. I think this one's going to be less popular than this. So if I put that high, I've got a better chance. Um, but again, you just don't know what anyone else is going to do. No. So just put what you want. And then if you if you don't score high enough to get it, then it's off your list and they just go to the next yeah. one. Um, so I would just say don't even try and play the game in that. Just put 
put where you want to get and you might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. There's no need to be strategic with the jobs or, or the deaneries or? Um, I don't know, I don't think so. I think most people I know that put theirs, if you put, if you are strategic with the deaneries, then you might live to regret it because you never know what your SJT score is going to mm. be. I think the only thing that was difficult, in I was kind of toyed between Seven and Northwest at the time when I was thinking of applying. And because you don't know your SJT score, you'd think like, okay, if I got this in the SJT, I would get into both of them. But in Seven, I would then be like bottom of the deanery and I'd end up with this place. Would I be happier with my like least favourite choice yeah. in Seven versus like a middle ground in Northwest or whatever? Um, so I think it's difficult there, and that was something where I was like, I'd like to be in Manchester or Liverpool, but I don't really know any of the other areas, like, in the northwest. Whereas in Severn, I think because it's a bit closer to Cardiff, I had a bit more of an idea about mm-hmm. where things were and where I'd be able to live and commute and stuff. So I think I kind of did think about it strategically there. Um, but then I think once you get into the deanery, just put your jobs anyway, because whoever ranks top in the deanery gets their choice. And then whoever ranks, like, 14th, Unless, if those 13 people before you have put the same jobs, then that's a bit harsh, yeah, but unlikely. they might not. Yeah. And then you're 14th and you've still got your first choice job. So I think just once you get the deanery, put your jobs in the order you want them. Okay, great. And um, as I mentioned as well, so you've got Sergam, you managed to you know integrate, which not everyone does at Cardiff. Um, do you have any sort of other general advice for just doing well at med school? You know, the PTs, the ISCI, is there any sort of gems that you think, oh, you yeah, know, that really helped me? Um, I think the PTs is literally was just past med. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's literally yeah. all everyone does, isn't it? Um, I think for, in terms of ISCIs and stuff, I think placement actually does help okay. with that. Because I think, obviously, the communication stuff in Cardiff is weighted so heavily. Yeah. Like, so if you can... If you can speak to a patient well, even if my like knowledge of the management was poor on that station, if I've communicated fine, then that weighs out a, a little bit. Um, so I think placement does help with that, but yeah, other than that, pass me. <laughs> okay. And last question that we always ask uh, guests on this podcast, a bit unfair to you because obviously you've only been practicing, I imagine, a number of weeks, I think. Yeah, right. um, yeah. But any sort of good uh, sort of like patient stories or, or anything that's happened to you at work which you know is, is sort of interesting? Um, I mean, Jerry's is just interesting anyway. Yeah. You've got like quite a few characters on the ward. Um, I think at the moment, like, I've been quite lucky. I haven't had any horror stories yet. Okay. Um, but I'm on nights this week, so maybe I won't speak oh, to you soon. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think there's been any any horror stories so far. I've just had, like, a few interesting patients, and I think already, I mean, I've been three weeks in, and I've had, like, the breaking bad news. I've okay. spoke to families about it. I've seen, like, when they've kind of broke the bad news to the families, I've seen when they've said they're going to palliate them, and I think... That's something where I was like, I've seen this in med school like once or twice, but actually being there and being part of the decision like mm-hmm. is just completely different. Um, and yeah, that's something that I feel like, I don't know, it's just what other job do you have What you're in like, that's such a personal yeah. kind of conversation and I'm just stood there in the room and you know when you're in medicine, you kind of stand in the corner and you just watch mm-hmm. everything happen. Whereas now families like turn around and ask you stuff and you're thinking, I've only been doing this yeah. three weeks. <laughs> yeah. But no, no horror stories yet, but we'll see what nights have Good. to bring. They're still thrown into the deep end. Oh, massively, yeah. yeah. I think that's one thing that Seven were good at, especially Bath. 
I had um, seven days of induction first, which in Bath it's online prescribing. So obviously we're used to the all Wales drug yeah. charts and I was like used to rewrite drug charts. That's something that I saw yeah. the F1s doing all the time. Um, whereas now it was all online and I think getting used to the system was a struggle. Um, like even now like my consultant will say, oh, can you just do this for me, Ellie? And I'm like, how? <laughs> um, and often sometimes they don't know how to do it either. Um, but yeah, so those induction days were really useful. And I think some deaneries and hospitals it's optional. Baths was compulsory, but I'm so glad that we had it. Mm-hmm. If I'd had to deal with kind of working out the system and online prescribing at the same time of going around a hospital where I have no idea where I'm walking, like they'll say, can you come to a ward? Like, and say the name of the ward, and I'm like, um, yeah, might be 10 minutes to try and find it on the map. But yeah. yeah, so it's a lot all in one. So I think that was something that, yeah, Bath were really good at in terms of giving you that induction period, getting used to it beforehand. But yeah, other than that, it's thrown into the deep end. Wow, okay. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me today. That's been really helpful with the SJT, with med school, and also really interesting to hear about sort of getting into Bath and what you've been up to as well. So Mm -hmm. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Surgical Society podcast. That was Dr. Ellie Rowe on her secrets and tips for the SJT. We've got an exciting episode in two weeks' time where I'll be speaking to the founder of Melanin Medics all about discrimination within surgery.